listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this the day after. How did the Lakers lose to the Sacramento Kings? Well, they had nobody in the lineup, but they went down 123-120. Sitting at 24-13 and through the first half of the schedule. They're going to be off for a week now for the all-star break before we jump into things don't forget subscribe to the silver screen and roll podcast network you can catch us on itunes spotify uh google podcast anywhere you get your fix and of course check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your lakers needs one of the men behind the magic at silver screen and roll joining me for this one christian rivas christian what's going on my man uh nothing much just trying to catch my break uh my breath finally we got uh the all-star break coming up and you know when when people talk about the shortened season and how fast things turned around, the last people they're thinking about are the people that cover the sport. But man, it felt like the finals happened and then we had maybe a week and a half off before the draft and free agency and the, and the season started back up. So I'm probably looking forward to this break as much as LeBron James is. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you know, we're both taking some time off next week because of the NBA's off. And I'm like, man, I, I feel the same way. It feels like it's been a continuous like work, like all the way through, basically from when they restarted all the way through till now. So it's going to be nice to just kind of unwind and, and uh, take it easy while these guys are, are, are playing in Atlanta. Uh, you mentioned, you know, LeBron and, and, I don't think any of the players are excited. Let's be real to, to take part in all-star weekend with just with everything going on and how fast the turnaround was, especially for a team like the Lakers, like the heat, like the nuggets who ended up, you know, playing extended time in the bubble and then having to restart up. So I'm not really looking forward to watching the game per se, but I mean, the, the, the draft was pretty, was pretty fun. Was it not? Yeah, I I'd say so. It, it's been fun since they've introduced it, to be honest. Um, I, I, I can't, imagine a draft without without the all-star draft i'm glad they did they did it we'll see how round two of the elam ending is this year but yeah the all-star draft definitely needs to be here to stay yeah i I, it gives it a little bit more like okay let's get the fans more involved and 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 people want to see you know who they pick and you know lebron's team Kevin Durant looked like he just slept walked like you know people in fantasy football were just like yeah just auto draft it that that's what it looked like Kevin Durant did because you look at LeBron's team I mean he's got Giannis Steph Curry Luca the Joker Damian Lillard Ben Simmons and you got Chris Paul Jalen Brown Paul George DeMontis Sabonis and of course Rudy Gobert picked last and then Durant's team is is Kyrie Durant's not playing but Kyrie Joel Embiid Kawhi Bradley Beal Jason Tatum James Harden Booker Zion Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, and then Donovan Mitchell last. So let's let's jump into this because LeBron said this, and this was actually pretty funny. After the uh, after the draft, he had mentioned he goes, "It's no slander to the Utah Jazz, but basically, <laughs> he, he nobody used them growing up in terms of playing NBA Jam with Carl Malone and John Stockton. So that's why they went with taking uh, Gobert and 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 Mitchell as the last two picks. I have to ask you, do you think that was planned out between between uh, KD and, and LeBron? Oh no, I I just don't I I think the Utah Jazz are just an afterthought when it comes to like the NBA in general. I I remember one time me and my friends were trying to figure out who could name all thirty NBA teams the fastest, mm-hmm. and both of us got stuck. We're like, God, what is the twenty ninth team? And it was the Jazz. So I don't <laughs> I don't blame them. Uh, they've been really good this year, and yet. I still have the utmost confidence that the Lakers are going to beat them in the playoffs. So, yeah, no, 
no uh, shame in forgetting the Jazz. No, I you know what? I, I yeah, like I don't I don't see them again. I mean, I, I mentioned this in a, in a tweet I put out a couple of weeks ago. It's like if you look at historically, teams who fail to win around the year before don't win championships, right? I think there's only been four over like the last thirty some odd years. But then I said this: I'm like the Jazz are going to end up like the 2010 Cavs the 2015 Atlanta Hawks, you know, the 2018 Raptors, great regular season. They don't have closers when it, I like, I love Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a very good player. Rudy Gobert is obviously a, a defensive uh, a machine inside, but I mean, dude, how are you going to end up? Like, I just don't see them being a threat long-term and, and until they at least get to a conference, like people respected Denver coming into this season because they right. conference finals last season. Right. And they're sitting as a seventh seed right now. Still, if I'm the if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I don't want to play Denver in the first round with Jamal Murray, Jokic, like we mentioned. They got mm. stat, you know, MPJ. They're, they're they're loaded, and so I look at Utah, and it's like, okay, you might be able to beat the eight seed uh, or whoever gets in, depending on the play-in tournament. But like, you're going to take on the Lakers or even Portland in the second round. I, I I just don't see them being able to sustain this level of play all the way through as we get into the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, to their credit, they the way they're playing is absolutely sustainable like the their style of play the whole move the ball and and find somebody that's open from three-point range it is very warriors-esque the way the way they're playing right now uh i i don't know if they have a player as good as anybody on those those warriors teams uh right now i like donovan mitchell a lot i think mike conley is playing as well as I thought he would last season. I think his first season in Utah was disastrous and I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, you know, Mike Conley was the reason I picked the jazz to finish over the Lakers in the standings uh, last season, but yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't expect them to start the season the way they have. I thought Derek favors was a nice pickup for them in the off season, bringing him back. But uh, yeah, they've definitely been a surprise. We'll see what they have in the postseason. I I think at full strength, I'm still taking the Lakers. Oh, I'm taking the Lakers over anybody in the West. Uh, you know, at full strength, I, I don't. I just don't see a team that's going to be able to beat them. Like I said, four times out of seven, and I've said this on the podcast before. Like you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of arguably the top five players in the league. You're not going to be able to beat them four times out of seven if they're fully healthy. And I, I'll I'm going to stick with that all the way through. In fact, when we do find out who Utah is playing in the first round, I'm going to put some money on the other team because I may as well take the odds because I don't believe they're going to win anyway. So every time they're going to be a favorite, I'm just going to keep putting on money, put, putting some money on the opposition. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far, but definitely second round. You know, who's we'll see who they draw with with the way the late with how the Lakers look in the standings right now and how they've treated seeding in general in the regular season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a team draws the Lakers in the second round that they didn't think they would. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, God, can you believe we're already talking about postseason? I know I'm actually I'm actually kind of glad because I, I find the NBA regular season for the most part to be a drag, especially because people are paying way too much attention to what happens over the first 30, 40 games. It's like, oh, you kind of mm. the, the kind of sorts itself out as we get closer to the playoffs. And like you mentioned, once the Lakers do get healthy and AD's back and, and he's not having any issues uh, again, I, I don't see nobody like the. I, I like the way the Suns are playing. I will say that. And they got a lot of good pieces, obviously, with with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, DeAndre Ayton. They got they got a good team, Mikael Bridges. But I'm looking at that squad, and I'm like, that might be a team that can that can take the Lakers six or seven. But again, at this point, if the Lakers are fully healthy, I haven't seen enough from any of the competition to say, wow, they're leaps and bounds uh, better than LA. I, I do want to ask you this though, as we're, as we're moving forward, 
and you're looking at this team, how confident are you that Anthony Davis will come back fully healthy and ready to go and, and be able uh, to kind of sustain his health for, for an extended period of time? Brother, isn't that the question that's been <laughs> on my mind for the last two weeks? Because, yeah, I think the general expectation is that Anthony Davis won't be out for much longer after the All-Star break. Um, I think the initial timetable was four weeks and you know by the time the all-star break is over it'll be like three and a half weeks so uh the the big question is one is rest going to be enough or is he going to get enough rest to deal with this Achilles tendinosis because the the original diagnosis was with rest this will get better it's part of the reason Anthony Davis was willing to play through it because AD said himself like listen I'm not trying to rest. I can play through the pain right now. Then that calf strain flares up and you have a mixture of both. And when you're dealing with the Achilles soreness in general, you don't want to have any injuries near that area. We saw with, you know, Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins after their Achilles tears and even leading up to it, they just had a multitude of, of leg injuries that, you know, because they're competitors, they wanted to play through. Uh, they they wanted to fight through it, and and it ended up, you know, not working out well for them. Kevin Durant looks as good as ever, so I don't know. Maybe uh, two year uh, two years off is is what you need to uh, recover from that Achilles injury. But yeah, generally speaking, I'm optimistic. It's just how long will he need to be out for that to no longer be a problem? Because that's what I want. That it's not minimal problems going forward. I don't want this to be a problem for Anthony Davis at all going forward. I, I'm with you. And I think you're looking at the, at the longevity of the season. Like you mentioned, I mean, the Lakers have been three and six without him since, since he's been out of the lineup. Uh, one of those wins came against the sad sack Timberwolves team too. So, you know, they're two and six over their last eight. If you look at, even if they fall down again to a, a five or six seed, I, I don't think it's a big deal. And we saw that with LeBron, right? Like getting the rest against the Kings. It was all right, man. Like we've got to punt this game. Let's just punt it and let's just make sure we're fully healthy and, and ready to go. And, and so, you know, you look at AD, he's still a very young man. You know what I mean? In his mid twenties, you look at him, it's like, all right, let, let's make sure he's ready and, and, and fully healthy. And cause you don't want any issues with it going forward. And it's funny. I talked to, um, Dr. Raj Barr, who comes on Silver Screen and Roll and contributes there too a while back. And I was talking to him about the clay injury to his Achilles, obviously two different way, two way different things between, you know, tearing it and, and, and having what AD has. But it's like, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, like, okay, once you have one injury, you're going to, your body just you know, naturally start compensating for, for that injury and you might have something else open up. So I think they got to, you know, make sure they do their due diligence on this. Take your time, bring him back when when things are ready. Uh, I do want to run over a couple of things about AD being out of the lineup. Let's do that after a short break. All right, and we're back. Uh, we were talking about AD being out of the lineup, and, and like I mentioned, they're three and six without him. Uh, missing shorter for a couple of games there. He came back, they got back on track, and then you know we had the debacle against uh, against Sacramento and, and, and the loss against the Suns. But you're looking at, at this team, like, let me ask you this, because defensively, the Lakers are still awesome, right? You know, they lead the league in defensive rating. I think they're only giving up like 2 or 2.2 points more per game without AD in the lineup compared to when he was in it. But offensively, they've been not nearly as good. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at where they're sitting right now in, in – um, in three-point percentage and points per game, uh, offensive rating, the team was, you know, I believe in the top uh, top 10, they were 10th 
in offensive rating before AD got hurt without him over the last nine games. They're, they're 23rd over that stretch. So their offensive rating went from being at 112, just over 112 to now down to 108.6. Where do you think they're going wrong on the offensive end in terms of without Anthony Davis in the lineup? LeBron's still doing LeBron things, but where can the rest of the guys start stepping up in order for them to kind of start closing that gap compared from the what they're getting offensively to defensively? I, I think it starts with staggering LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder because – I mean, the the first unit with Anthony Davis out, you're looking at LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder initiating your offense. I think Kyle Kuzma can do it a little bit, but he's straight away from that in recent years to try and be more of a, you know, plug and play type of guy. And it's worked out for him really well. I think he's been great this season, has, has lived up to his contract extension. That's all fine and well. The problem is when LeBron and Dennis aren't on the court, you leave ball handling responsibilities to guys like Alex Caruso and Wesley Matthews, Marquise Morris. Those, those just aren't guys that you want with handling the ball or, or, or being your primary shot creator. What's weird to me though, is I can say that knowing that these like Alex Caruso, isn't going to be your Rajon Rondo type. And I think that's good in the right units. You don't want, you don't want him ever being your Rajon Rondo type. The The general feedback I've gotten from people in my mentions, though, is they seemed to think that he was going to be. Like, as soon as the Lakers lost people that could handle the ball, that Alex Caruso was all of a sudden going to turn into that player. And I don't, I don't get why anybody... Like, these players have been what they are for a while. Wesley Matthews isn't going to automatically turn into you know, CJ McCollum, because guys are hurt. These guys are role players for a reason. And you got to put the right personnel around them. Unfortunately for them, the Lakers don't have that personnel right now. But when they're at full strength, they will. So I mean, if if you're a Lakers fan, I guess that that's one thing the the bright side to, to look at this entire situation with Anthony Davis being out. The other side is until Anthony Davis is back, you're looking at a a pretty rough, you know, offensive plan because yeah, they, they, they just don't got it outside of uh, Dennis Schroeder and LeBron James when AD is out. Well, and, and that, again, I mean, I, I look at this and you see some of the complaints on Twitter. You, you see some of the feedback and people, you know, complaining about what's going on with the team. It's like, dude, they're missing one of their two best players. You know what I mean? In the NBA, if you got two legitimate superstars and one of them isn't playing, your team is not going to perform. And especially somebody as important as AD. And like we mentioned, you know, they defensively, they're still okay. They're not, they don't have that rim protector presence because as good as Marcus all is just as an overall team defender, he's not a guy who's going to sit there and scare, you know, guards who can, who can get up and, and be able to shoot over him at the rim. But you look at, you look at the offensive, the offensive end, it's like, okay, Anthony Davis is such a dynamic player. You know, you can put him on the block, you can put him on the, on the wing, you can put him at the top where he's capable of shooting and he can do face up like everything. The guy, the guy can score from anywhere on the court. And when you don't have that dynamic, I think as a team, obviously it's going to take away from that security blanket. So I, I think that some of the, and we saw without Schroeder in the lineup, how, how bad it could get. But again, I'm not going to judge this team on what they're doing in, in March right now, you know, a couple of months away from the playoffs. I know it, the, the schedule is all kind of screwed up because of the late start and everything, but 
normally I'd be saying, well, I don't care what they're doing in, in, you know, December, but we're talking about March now. Um, but you're looking at kind of how, how things have, have shaken out. And I'm like, they're coming off a championship, them and the heat are obviously the least rested out of any of the NBA teams coming back and, and getting ready to, to get in shape for the kickoff of this season. I, I just think it's going to take some time, but like I said, I mean, offensively, there are, there are some warts there, but I, I think once you're at full health again, those are going to get covered back up. Absolutely. And if you're if you're looking for keys to the second half of the season for the Lakers, it is not, you know, filling out those two roster spots and integrating those guys because odds are, and unless you're finding another Markeith Morris, which, you know, <laughs> the problem with finding another Markeith Morris is you already have Markeith Morris on the roster who's, <laughs> who's having a hard time getting minutes on this team. Um, so it's not it's not trying to figure out how to get those two final roster spots integrated it's not you know messing with the championship formula they had last season although i think they're going to be forced to do that a little bit because they don't have those lob threats and those natural shot blockers like dwight howard and javel mcgee uh the key to the second half of the season above all else is just getting healthy and seeing you know where they need to fill those holes because as much as lakers fans would like to see those two roster spots filled as soon as possible with the best player available. Uh, I mean, ultimately we, we know so little about what this team can do at its peak when all the guys are healthy and going full force. Yes. There have been games where the Lakers have played with a little more pep in their step because of the opponent they were playing. Uh, but ultimately we've looked at a really watered down version of the Lakers not just in terms of how much effort they're playing with, but, you know, in, in Frank Vogel's case, you're looking at rotations and defensive sets that aren't going to be played as much in the postseason. Cause as we saw last season with the types of, you know, uh, formations or, or, or lineups that Frank Vogel used in the postseason, this, this guy has tricks up his sleeves that that he likes to play in these closing lineups that we're seeing in the regular season aren't going to be the ones we see in the postseason. We're going to see a lot more Anthony Davis at center, um, Kyle Kuzma probably at the four next to 80 at the center because of how well he's played. So yeah, I all, all <laughs> I'm concerned about in the second half of the season uh, is, is getting to the postseason healthy. And like I said, not healthy as in, you know, let's just make it through these uh, few months and, fight through injuries i mean nobody thinks about having an injury going into the postseason yeah i i, I just want to see that for the i also was going to say that your european soccer fandom was showing when you're like formation yeah but, <laughs> yeah we're going to go with rotations and lineups okay yeah right right <laughs> Christian, i'm messing with you but um no it's funny like because you're saying that too and i'm looking at it just as a as a basketball fan you know i i don't want any of these teams to to go into it with injury because i mean imagine a final four or you know your your you're uh you're in the in the in the second round and you got you know teams left like the suns the clippers the lakers and and the jazz in the west and in the east you got philly brooklyn milwaukee boston like these are the teams you you want to see kind of square off for a championship and i, and I do want to ask you this because you know i'm looking at like that brooklyn team looks nasty you know what i mean i mean they're figuring it out and they're getting going and i think they have to be a little bit better defensively uh but overall i mean you look at that squad if you look at where the Lakers are in the NBA pecking order, and let's assume every team is fully healthy. Do you put Brooklyn above them or you still have the Lakers at number one? Oh, 
Well, so the thing that's scaring me about the Nets a little, little bit is their defense isn't nearly as big of a problem as anybody thought it would be. Uh, one, because I just think they're playing a little bit harder on defense than anybody thought they would, mm-hmm. uh, but also because their offense is just so dominant. Like with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, you figured as much, but God, they are so good. Like, if I'm not mistaken, they're on pace to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest offensive team of all time, which, you know, you look, you look at the Dallas Mavericks last year, they they accomplished the same thing and lost in the, God, when did, when did they lose? In the first round to the Clippers, I think it was. So yeah, it, it's hard to read too much into that. We also haven't seen the Lakers and Nets play at full strength. KD was out for that game uh, and, and AD was out. And that's really, if you're the Lakers, that's really the matchup that you try to win because Kevin Durant is you know, probably a top three scorer of all time, just because of the things he can do with his size. Uh, but if, if you're Anthony Davis and you're touting yourself as a defensive player of the year, worthy player, uh, KD is the matchup you want. And I think he'll absolutely take it when the time comes. He took that Jimmy Butler assignment in the NBA finals last year, and it worked out really well for the Lakers and, uh, you know, that took a little defensive assignments on Damian Lillard in, in the first round. So mm-hmm. I think AD wants those, which you not not to take a shot at Giannis in any way, because I honestly don't care. But, you know, we didn't see Giannis taking those defensive assignments in the playoffs last year, uh, whether it was by design or just him saying he didn't want them. AD does. So I'm really I'm really looking forward to that. But also on offense, you look at the biggest hole in the Nets roster. It is at that four and five position. Anthony Davis can play either. He's obviously a very versatile offensive player. So unless the Nets have an answer for that, like Kevin Durant suddenly turns into a defensive monster and, and guards three through five for the Nets, I, I think the buyout market is going to tell us a lot about the ceiling of this Nets team because Again, you look you look at the most glaring hole on that Nets roster, the Lakers have an answer for it. And I, I think, you know, maybe even the Clippers do too, but I don't know if we'll have to worry about that in the postseason. Well, yeah, they'd have to they'd have to win at least get to the conference finals before we can we can talk right. about the Clippers <laughs> like that, right? But it, it's funny you mentioned that because I like I'm looking at, I mean, DeAndre Jordan is not the answer. Let's be real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. AD, if if they if they isolate and didn't double team uh anthony davis with deandre jordan on him 80 will go off for 40 every single game you know what i mean so you you know that is going to be kind of the achilles heel of brooklyn we don't know what's going to happen with the buyout market uh brooklyn obviously doesn't have any assets to give up now in terms of picks because of what they gave up to get hardened but uh, they have to find a way to address that and i I think the lakers are as as we've seen and and the knicks were basically the top two teams defensive teams in the league in, in a lot of categories if you look at at that, just that matchup that it offers in terms of offense versus defense, that's really what I want to see in the NBA Finals. And I've been I've been saying that before. I want to see the Nets and the Lakers fully healthy, ready to go, and because it has that East Coast West Coast you know flavor. Uh, you have star power, obviously, with with five of the best players in the NBA. You know, five of maybe the 15, 20 best players in the NBA going at it. That, that's really, really what what I want to see. I will I will ask you this. We'll wrap up on this. The Lakers. Um, still have 35 games left to go. Uh, the 37 in 
they do play the fifth. They have the fifth, uh, sixth hardest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA. So, I mean, yeah. and a lot of the teams ahead of them that have harder aren't really playoff contenders uh, other than San Antonio and, and Chicago's a, a fringe team there. But when you look at the at the Lakers remaining strength of schedule and they got a big six game coming, a uh, six game road trip that happens early next month. It starts off on the fourth in LA. This is crazy planning by the NBA, by the way, starts off. Yeah. They play the Clippers at home. or it, They're playing at Clippers, but it's basically, like I said, at home for them at Staples. And then they end up nine days later, they're playing six games and nine nights. And that ends up in Charlotte. So that's a crazy, crazy, or pardon me, starts on the second in Sacramento and then comes back to LA and then they go East. So that's a crazy, crazy uh, 13 or pardon me, 11 day stretch where they play six games on both coasts. I think that's going to be a big one in terms of how things will look on the standings. But I, I do want to ask, so what do you think the record will be just through the 35 games, not overall? Oh, good Lord. I'd have to take a look at, I, generally speaking, I think the Lakers are going to be fine. You, you look at the games that they played without a, just AD, not Dennis Schroeder in AD, because boy, let me tell you, it's really hard to win in the NBA without two of your five best players, mm -hmm. especially if, uh, you know, one of those players is literally the only on-ball shot creator that you have on your roster. So that's that's number one. It, I think they, they can survive without Anthony Davis, obviously. <laughs> I'm not saying Lakers don't need Anthony Davis. I don't think they win a title without Anthony Davis. But, you know, to get through the regular season, assuming LeBron James plays as many minutes and as many games as he's played so far, only missed one game because of load management right before the All-Star break. He saw the Kings roster in their injury report and said, ah, you guys got it. And they nearly did. The Lakers yeah. nearly yeah, did yeah, the yeah. Kings with the end of their bend. So uh, all credit to them. Their officiating sucked, but I, I'm over it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Lakers are fine. You, you look at the depth behind AD, it's still Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morrison and uh jared dudley so they'll they'll be okay i think at most they lose out of 35 how many mm -hmm. how many games did they lose in in the first half of the season the 20 24 and 13 through 37 now so let's say let's say they lose 10 games i'm gonna i'm gonna call it there okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna say 22 and 13 so I think they'll end up 46 and 46 and 26 overall for the season. I do think they'll end up maybe at three or four. Cause I think the teams like Phoenix and Utah, and we've seen this before teams right. that are on the come up, they're going to keep their, their, their foot on the gas and try and win as many games as they can. So they get home court. Uh, but again, I, I think they'll, I think the Lakers are still the team to beat in the West. Uh, they just need to get healthy. And hopefully that's the case with AD as we move forward. That does it for this episode. Don't forget before we wrap up, subscribe to the silver screen and roll podcast network. Harrison loves always a five-star reviews. Don't give us anything less than that. I don't want to upset him. He's the main editor of the site and don't forget, go to silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Again, Lakers are off. We'll be back next week after the all-star break. Talk to you all next time.